0: All right, everybody, this is episode 18 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett and CH. Uh, Today's topics are more exciting than usual. Bitcoin is back over 7,000. Everybody seems to be pumped and the hype is flowing. Um, And then also there was, uh, you know, there's Blockchain Week coming up next week in New York City. And this past weekend, the Magical Crypto Conference was going on. And uh, there were a lot of cool announcements that were made then, so we'll uh, we'll try to couple cover a couple of those. But uh, how you feeling, man? How's this? Uh, how's it feel to be out of the bear market? I guess you could say. I mean, we asked that question last week. Are we out yet? And I yeah. think I'd give a different answer today than I would have a week ago.
1: Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say, are we gonna get the c- consensus pump this year? I don't
0: know. It started already. <laughs> if it we're going to,
1: dude. That that was the biggest talk of the year last year. It was like consensus pump, and we did pump from like April into May last year, and then like Bitcoin had that ten thousand wall. As you can uh, actually, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. We hit that ten thousand wall, but I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I I guess it's pretty hard to argue against the fact that if you aren't wrong, you're wrong. Uh, I saw Cashboy tweet that on Twitter, and he basically said it sums up pretty well. If you weren't in alts in 2017, you're wrong. If you weren't short in 2018, you're wrong. And if you aren't long Bitcoin in 2019, you're wrong. I mean, he's 100% right. Bitcoin has dominated this year. I don't know. It's up over 100% um, from the lows of like 31, 22 in um, December. I mean, so, you know, I guess it's pretty fair to say at this point that we are out. Um, I don't know what will happen next. We've went parabolic at this point, so... Uh, what happens next is either we melt up and continue to melt faces like we have this past week or we're going to dump. I mean, that's, that's the inability as, as uh Peter LeBrant talks about parabolas, but they tend to run a lot longer. Like even like in 2017, like most people, like it was like, Oh shit, the 5k and then we dumped into the 3k. And then like, I think at 7k, I was like, Oh wow, this might be over. And then, and then we just face melted for like four weeks. Um, and that's what it kind of feels like right now. It kind of feels like Bitcoin in 2017, where it just it you know it would pull back like we pulled back 10% the other night, uh, like last night we pulled back 10%, but we're already back up to 7,000. So it's like, sure, could the traveler run be over maybe, but we just like it's it's marching, and when you look at the high time frame, it's just super bullish. Like I, it's like that. To me, that looks pretty good. Um, I don't know how else to put it. What do you think, Ch? Well, I mean,
0: uh, Bitcoin did go from fifty six hundred to seventy five hundred in four days, um, and that's Bitcoin's nature. It goes parabolic when you least expect it, and uh, there's nothing we can do about it except sit and watch, enjoy the ride, and uh, shit post about it. And it's really funny to see how everyone's emotions did a complete one eighty. Oh yeah, literally in twenty (laughs) four hours. I mean, it was.
1: (laughs) Well, dude, everyone's like, "Oh, six K. We're gonna we're gonna hit six K, and it's gonna be over." And nope, we just blasted through six K. I mean, admittedly, I thought, okay, we might hit six K and just rebound and be that might be it. But like when you looked at when April monthly candle closed, that looked pretty fucking strong. Like, if you disregard the fucking giant candle we just had, we're up 28%, and, or excuse me, we're up 33% right now in uh, May, and we're 12 days in. But, like, when you looked at a- April's candle is fucking strong as shit. Like, there's no arguing that. Like, once we broke out of 4,200, like that, yeah, I mean, and that was that day where we went up, like, 20-something percent. It was stupid. Like, we moved up 25% in a few hours. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens next, but... It's the trend is strong right now and it's going up hard. Like, there's no arguing that at this point. I mean, um, and I feel bad for the CME futures because they just gapped up a shit ton like 700, 800 bucks for the weekend. see.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder what happens tomorrow morning. Well, I think and... they're open right now. I'm almost yeah say- i'm just more curious if it's you know it's bedtime on the east coast it's getting late here on the west coast uh the asia markets probably will wake up soon uh i guess a good question is how do they react to what's happened overnight and then what happens with the futures market tomorrow um it's anybody's guess but it is uh you have a combination of things going on. You have the pump over the weekend. Uh, you have, you know, some news coming out at conferences. You have a whole week of conferences coming up tomorrow. Um, you have Fidelity um, apparently launching trading in a couple of weeks. Um, it it's almost feels like it's the perfect storm in a weird sort of way. Uh, We won't know until we actually get there. You know, we could be recording an episode a month from now and we could say, hey, remember when we thought the bull run was getting started and it fizzled out and, you know, we're back to just grinding along. That very well could be the case. Um, So, but that's what makes it so fun because nobody fucking knows. I mean, we were were questioning whether, you know, how much longer the bear market's going to last and then we went parabolic in the meantime. So... Um, things can change at the drop of a hat. And another thing that I saw, um, it looked like volumes are at all time highs. I think we saw 10, 10 billion in 24 hours on BitMEX, which is a record for them. Uh, that's a, that's an insane amount of volume for, for BitMEX. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, 10 billion in 24 hours is is nothing, but on BitMEX it it's a lot. I mean, That's a lot. There's some enthusiasm. That's an that's a lot of enthusiasm for a seven thousand dollar Bitcoin price. Um, The the last time we saw these kind of volumes was at you know twenty k, that fifteen k to twenty k range, and Mm -hmm. and all of mainstream was all over it. Now you have mainstream isn't all over it at all. Only the people who have been into this space for the last year or two are still even keeping track of things and everybody in the space is excited, but nobody else knows that anything even happened over the weekend. So the rest of mainstream might wake up on Monday and, you know, we'll see if CNBC covers it or anybody else decides to cover it yeah, next I mean, week. And it's the question will be, be if, the... if I get asked on, if I get asked next week, what happened at work then I'll, I'll, I'll know that mainstream starting to hear about it again. And then usually it takes a few months after that for them to want to start getting in and, my my guess is they don't start getting in until we're back over twenty k because that's the last top. They realize Bitcoin's not dead and decide only after that that they want a little exposure.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a like the CME futures is, is like, like it's open. And obviously, I don't know if Gap's fill. I know it's a little topic, but like in usual markets, Gap's fill. But as you were saying, I bet you tomorrow, just getting back to your whole thing, CNBC will be talking a lot about crypto and Bitcoin tomorrow. I do, because even like think about like Litecoin's up three or four times. It's at like 80 something dollars, 87. And it was like low of 25, 24, something like that. So, like there's going to be a lot of talk of crypto this week. And that's probably going to start, you know kicking in the um, mainstream enthusiasm because the grandparents, the parents are going to start asking, hey, what's with this crypto thing? I saw it's up 100% this year or something. Um, yeah, it's about to get really interesting.
0: That's funny. Uh, one of my followers sent me a video <laughs> getting his grandmother the Bitcoin standard for, uh, for Mother's Day. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen because I actually did the same exact thing last Mother's Day. I got a copy of it for my grandmother. So uh, it's it's fun to see mainstream start to get red-pilled by uh, millennials gifting the Bitcoin standard
1: to their parents or grandparents or whoever. It's cool to see. It's it's a rude awakening. If you read that book, you're Like, because it all covers this monetary history, and you're like, fuck. That's what you want to get to the, you don't even have to read the, You don't, I, I don't care if you don't read the Bitcoin part, which is like the last chapter, just read the monetary history part so you understand how like skewed and messed up things are right now.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You could read the first, I think like the ninth or 10th chapter is the one that's on Bitcoin. It's the last chapter. You could read that entire book without reading that last chapter and you would have a fairly good background and understanding of How money is, what it works, what are the functions of money, what kind of properties make something a good money, um, the history of, uh, of barter and then moving to gold and then fiat money and then all the terrible things that happened after, you know, we went off the gold standard and started using fiat money. And even just learning that, you can then take a step back and decide for yourself, well, I think I know enough about what money is, how it works and what makes a good money. And then you could choose to speculate on something that you think could be money. And then you kind of go from there. So when you start to learn all those things, and you say, all right, well, I need to find, um, you know, the most saleable good, uh, uh, something that's very liquid, something that could serve the function of money, something that's highly divisible, that can be broken down to be used for very small payments or very large payments, something that's easily transportable. You know, Bitcoin just so happens that you can send it over the Internet instantly, um, a good that's very durable that will last through time, right? You can't use fish as money because it will rot. Um, and you, you just start learning these things and and you see what could make a good money. And I think that's the good lesson. You don't even have to read the last chapter to know enough to start to speculate on what would be a good money.
1: Yeah. Very relevant point there. Um, I was going to say, uh, for those, Uh, since you're talking about fish not being a hard asset whatever because it isn't obviously it spoils um so just a little fun fact here like during the hyperinflation of the weimar republic aka germany like post-world war one like 1921-23 bread became a hard asset because uh the paper mark was inflating at such a rate overnight that it was just getting out of control like so it was you're better off holding bread because it would cost you more paper marks the next day Yeah, that's unbelievable. And that is
0: such a good example of economic reality that people realizing that the money is just totally worthless and uh, and commodities becoming money or something that you could use as a medium of exchange because it has, I guess, some sort of underlying utility in this case, you know, food. Um, it sucks. And we're seeing that right now in, in Venezuela. It's, it really is a shame. Um, and I, I hope we don't see it here, but it very well could happen um, at any point, time, any place, because you can't predict hyperinflation. It just happens. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's all the signs are just pointing towards hard assets and, you know, the world would just be such a different place if we had a money that worked as money should work.
1: Yeah. I don't even know how, I mean, everyone's lives, so we wouldn't be existing because yeah, if you get how things work, uh, when people conceptualize babies, but anyways, yeah, if, if we didn't have hard, if we had a different type of money, things would be different right now. We wouldn't be recording this podcast, which is unfortunate, but it would be different. I probably wouldn't exist in my current form. Sorry. I'm, I'm breaking that down too much there, but Point being, things would be much different if we actually had a different money. Like, if we still had a gold backed currency, uh, it would be a much different world right now.
0: And hopefully, we see a different one in the decades. I have a feeling we will, one way or the other, for, for better or for worse.
1: I don't think the current monetary system is going to make it to 2020s, to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I hate to say uh, it.
1: Like, but that's the reality of what we're facing. Like 2008, everything collapsed, everything failed. And like literally there was like, obviously like politicians and certain economists, whatever type people were working on the weekend because banks wouldn't open Monday because nobody had done to each other. Like the whole system failed. And like the only reason everything's still going right now is because wow. things are all propped up. Like a perfect example of propped up um, Bank of Japan It is a top 10 shareholder in 50% of the Nikki 225. And then you have like, for instance, on Friday, when the Chinese stock market, the Shanghai Comp, or like other stocks too, but I'll just pull up the Shanghai Comp because that would be the best example to show. Uh, It gapped down, like, so Asian markets, at least China and Japan have basically like a 30 minute lunch break, I think, up top of my head. And so like it gapped down after lunch break and it just plummeted and it was reported that Chinese state-run funds started bidding everything up. Um, Liquidity drives the market at the end of the day. That's what drives it, not fundamentals. So that's why things are still so elevated.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can just see how the expansion of credit over the last few decades because of fiat money um, has led to some very interesting um, things. And that goes from, you know, uh, the bank of Japan owning a large percentage of all equities, uh, in Japan and, uh, you know, just other, other nonsense that would not be happening otherwise. And that's the thing that I always go back to is, you know, none of this would be happening otherwise. And then you start to think, well, if that goes away, then what happens? And you try to work down that path. And then from there, you think about how you can hedge yourself, I suppose. But um, it's great because you can just see it happening in real time now. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've been to my screen here, CH. Yeah, it dropped a lot here and broke two lows. And then they bid it back up and ramped up for the close on Friday, as per typical of the U.S. equity markets lately. Risk-free Fridays. I don't know how much longer that's <laughs>
0: going to last. Yeah, as as we always say, it's like we're really looking
1: forward to Monday now. I mean, another start to the week. Uh, yeah, I, I it love seems Mondays. Like, <laughs> like Yeah. Weekends. Not that obviously crypto trades on the weekend, but everything else is closed down. Like nothing else is happening macro wise. So, and even usually, Bitcoin's usually quieter on the weekends, I feel like. Obviously, this weekend has not been. It's a different hold, another case. But like, I think like the collapse on November 14th, that was during a weekday. Like I was at a coffee shop and I don't know what happened. I was looking at something. I got some kind of notification and I looked at Bitcoin and it was down like $500. It was like 5500 and I just started laughing. I was just like, oh, well, here we go. And the whole of crypto like was down like 12%. Like, you know, all the altcoins just shit the bed then.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's hard because you'd never know if that's going to happen overnight. Oh yeah, there's no mercy. Like you really never know. And ever, ever, I used to check the price as soon as I woke up because I wanted to see what happened overnight. And uh, you know, over the over the winter, I got better at not checking, and everything uh, just grinding and not really doing much and being pretty boring made it a lot easier. But I'll tell you what the last two days it really <laughs> difficult to not,
1: Dude, to not yeah. look.
0: As soon as I woke up, because you because you don't know what you're going to see. Yeah, and that's, no, that's the reality. Like you almost, it's like what what's the like Schrodinger's cat or whatever. Like I almost don't want to look because as soon as I look, that becomes my reality of yeah. whatever <laughs> whatever the price moved to, no, and it's a it. shitty and terrible way to live. Um, and I don't recommend it. Yeah, Usually if you're doing, doing that, that too you're, so. you're too exposed. You, when people stop sleeping, um, because their net worth is like fluctuating, uh, significantly on a daily or weekly basis, that means you're probably overexposed and you need to definitely um, check, check yourself. Right. I mean, uh, people got like that in 2017, man. And here's the thing, the numbers get larger this time around. So, um, Yeah, people aren't going to sleep again when the next bull run is officially started. When everyone can look back and say, okay, it started, here we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, people stop sleeping. And that's when you got to really think about about what you're doing because it can get – it can
1: suck. Oh, yeah. No, um, I definitely – when I woke up first this morning, I was like, okay, I got to check where Bitcoin's at because I was like – I was like, it could be up a $1,000. It could be down $500. Like, I don't know where it's at. Because like, you don't know now at this point. It's just, it's moving. Um, and, like, it's just been marching. Now, obviously, we were talking about recording Friday night, but we're like, we can't. We're going to just be shit-talking too much because it's just going. Same thing even last night at 7,000 or 75, like 7,600 last night or something like that.
0: Yeah, we would have been, you know, calling for who knows it would have been super exciting to record actually but uh we would have looked like assholes when everybody listened to it so it was a good it was a good move to to try to talk about this in hindsight and you know right now we're we we just moved from 7,500 down to 7,000 over the day and uh it looks like we're just hanging in there so if we if we did slow down and take a little breather that wouldn't surprise me too much but who knows? But um, <laughs> like that's the thing. Like just, you, you don't, you don't know. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. It's because it's like, like I like okay. I knew things were starting to move, and like I started looking to higher time frames, and it looked good recently. But I've still kind of been a little skeptical because you know Bitcoin just inevitably dumps at random times. But like, it's looked really good the past few weeks. Um, obviously, I would say since that. Like here, when we had that February 8th, it started to look a lot better. And then when we broke out here as well, like, oh, wow. And obviously, that was okay. That was pretty solidifying. We went to 25%. But like, we just started marching lately. And it's like, oh, fuck. This is actually happening. Like, we haven't seen 7,000 in so long. September. And we haven't wow. seen eight yet. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen the price we just saw, we haven't seen since like August. So, like, the peak of the price. But like, so it's it's been a while. I know it shouldn't seem like a lifetime, but it feels like a lifetime still.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like a lifetime, but it also makes me remember that uh, Bitcoin does move way faster than anything else, and it's almost like the time frames are accelerated. So if you were to overlay like the Nasdaq crash of two thousand and one, and you know the 2017 bubble bursting of Bitcoin and you overlaid them, uh, it would be like you could have years worth of time in, uh, the amount of time it takes Bitcoin to like move 25% or go up hundreds of percent that it just takes so much longer in your traditional markets. And it happens like that just so quickly. So that's when it gets a little scary because, like, you just really don't know how quickly this is going to go. I could say right now. You still there? Yeah. Those, um, my internet has come to you. good. Uh, yeah, I was just saying how fast Bitcoin moves. And uh, as much as I would like to say, oh, by, by year end, the price is going to be this. And I could say to myself, all right, well, how many months left in the year do I think? How many thousand? of dollars couldn't move per month blah blah blah. That's all bullshit because Bitcoin can do whatever it wants in a week and just completely make you rethink what you thought you knew about Bitcoin and how it moves.
1: Yeah, no, it it really does. Like even this week it like it as you said, it changed everyone's sentiment has changed in a dime. We went from oh, we might not see 20k for a while to oh wow, 20k could be here very shortly. Like, we are marching. It's parabolic. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, and, like, things in Bitcoin will just be, and say that with traditional markets, but things can be way oversold for a long, or, yeah, oversold for, or not oversold, overbought, excuse me. Things can be way overbought for a long time. Like, the, the crypto market was way overbought all of 2017. The whole, right. I mean, the whole time.
0: I think that's actually a good point and uh, I wanted to mention just like the art of stacking sats and um, if you think about your average person who's doing that who's buying 25 bucks a week worth all that supply is truly being dried up and taken out of the liquidity pool of tradable Bitcoin which apparently from estimates that I've heard might only be a million or two coins max that are willing to be traded. So now you have an asset that is actually scarce. And when that liquidity, liquidity dries up, or that supply dries up, and you're only left with a million coins, and you have a ton of demand for them, what starts to happen to the price? Um, And that's where I think it gets very interesting. And you get those parabolic moves that It's hard to explain. Everyone's like, what news made it pump? I'm like, fuck, man. There's like a bunch of things that just happened in the last couple of weeks. It could have been anything. It could have been, and this is a good chance, uh, time to move on to a topic. It could have been Bill Sherman making a beautiful, beautiful sales pitch for Bitcoin and why it's so awesome uh, that he did in front of Congress when he was trying to have a bill passed to ban cryptocurrency, um, buying in the United States. And we're going to play that video, but, uh, yeah, it could have been that, like it was a perfect use case. He, uh, or a, a perfect sales pitch. He understands it perfectly. It yeah. would be better than I could articulate like the sales pitch of, oh yeah, you know, like they could undermine the, um, the currency and avoid sanctions. And, uh, everyone would realize that it's a great money because it doesn't have any of the pitfalls of a sovereign money. And, uh, yeah, we should probably nip this in the bud. I mean, <laughs> he couldn't have
1: said it well, any better. The biggest thing is the dollar is an economic weapon. And a lot of people, like a lot of Americans don't, here again, they don't understand money and understand how this whole thing works. Um, and so that leads to people just not understanding how um, the whole, of you know, the dollar works in terms, you're talking about sanctions, you're talking, a great example is if someone send money from Brazil to India, that money has to go through the New York Federal Reserve. So, Everybody who's sending money is basically forced through the U.S. Um, SWIFT is, you know, basically it's supposed to be what independent, but it really isn't. um, Obviously, U.S. controls it, Um, and so Bitcoin allows countries just to bypass all of that. It's 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 pretty insane when you think about it. Um, Like, so when you think about. Like, perfect example is I was going to relate to what's going on now. Yeah, Iran, you get sanctions there. You got sanctions on Venezuela. Um, you know, if China wants to, pay, you know, and then so, like, Iran, for example, wants to, you know, EU is still trying to buy oil from Iran. Like, EU countries are still trying to buy oil from Iran because it's cheaper. Obviously, it's closer, whatever. Um, and there's a perfect example they can spend Bitcoin. Um, and this is getting to the point where, People are realizing, okay, it's not dead. It's still going, it's still kicking along, hasn't gone anywhere. And this video perfectly sums it up. Should I click it and play it? it yeah. Rip?
2: I look for colleagues to join with me. I can't me see in it on my screen. A bill to uh, outlaw crypto hmm. cryptocurrency. Uh, uh, owner, yeah purchases by Americans so that we nip this in the bud in part because not uh, an awful lot of our international power comes from the fact that the dollar is the standard unit of international uh, finance and transactions clearing through the New York Fed is critical for major oil and other transactions and it is the announced purpose of the supporters of cryptocurrency to take that power away from us to put us in a position where the most significant sanctions we have on Iran, for example, would become uh, irrelevant. So whether it is to disempower our foreign policy, our tax collection uh, enforcement, or our traditional law enforcement, the purposes of cryptocurrency, the advantage it has over uh, uh, sovereign currency is solely uh, to aid in the disempowerment of uh, of uh, the united states and the rule of law
1: that's i mean he just said it there straightforward um it's he clearly just said it. it it beats in every way it and you know anyone can use it doesn't have to go through the new york fed as he said you know as he said it makes their sanctions or our sanctions from the u.s citizen irrelevant and the dollar, as he said, is basically the tool. It's an economic weapon. He openly admitted it. It's an economic weapon. I mean, but the sad thing is most Americans will never see this video.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's funny because, and Michael Goldstein was saying this, uh, if you were watching Ron Paul videos, talk about the Fed, you were a conspiracy theorist. And now you have Brad literally saying exactly that. Um just openly admitting it, which it, it blew my mind when I saw it. And I was like, holy shit, dude, like Brad Sherman, 100% gets it. He, he understands it perfectly. Um, he probably doesn't understand how the technology works and why it works, but he certainly gets uh, the power of a non-sovereign currency. And it's funny because very casually, like, we should just nip this in the bud. And I uh, I mean, Good luck. I guess it's, they thought of that, you know, so I have no doubt that they will try at some point or, or maybe not. And as Beautyon says, uh, the U S would be very foolish to try to ban it when they can take um, advantage, take advantage of that and just start accepting it for taxes. Um, Start state-sponsored mining if they really want to. I mean, they should be they should be stacking sats. If you want my uh, honest opinion, they should be stacking sats and do whatever they need to do to uh, to get as much of it as possible. And that would be a great thing because we would hopefully then start to move away from fiat money and a lot of the bad things that come along with government-sponsored money or government's monopoly over money would start to go away. And, you know, humans would begin flourishing again as they, they were 100%. like you and I haven't, you, you, like we haven't been alive during a period of time when sound money was used, yeah. which is like fucking crazy.
1: And it's like, not that I was going to say, it's not, uh, I'm going to cut you off there, but it's not that we don't have like a lot of good things these days. And obviously certain things have gotten better, healthcare, food, etc. Well, foods, foods, a whole other topic, but, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, and life longevity, but like, I think the quality of people's lives has definitely, quality of life is what it is, has diminished severely. With um, a great example, and I say this, it's it's like 69% of Americans don't have $1,000 in a savings account. They're tied to their job, they are stuck working, and they're, they're, you know, so many Americans, even up into the middle class, work paycheck to paycheck. That is their whole life, and that is what they do. They just live away their life, they don't ever, get a chance to do anything else. And then they're also way too distracted by the, the few hours they have off, watching TV, watching whatever, Netflix, you name it, to actually focus on the real issues that this country is facing. And that's why we get all this political BS here. It's, it's, um, this is a perfect example. Like, as I said, so few Americans are ever going to see this video. And it's because, one, they don't understand money, and two, they don't care.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if what he's saying would register. Like, you could see her, like, oh, they can route around, you know, economic sanctions. Oh, that's interesting. And it's like, it's a little bit more of a bigger deal than whatever. And uh, it's extremely powerful that there's a tool now that can be used to route around such sanctions. And uh, it shouldn't be taken too lightly. I mean, it, it really shouldn't. And uh, I think people will start to realize that when the time comes it'll all become part of the narrative right as as you know as we always say price drives adoption so you're going to hear your normie friend when bitcoin's back above 20k giving you a sales pitch about why bitcoin's such a good money and oh it can do this and oh it can do that and it's non-sovereign and it's a hard money and uh th- th- they'll get the narrative they'll convince themselves that they want their bags to pump which is what everybody does. I mean, that's what I do all the time. So, uh, I'm guilty of it, but they will figure (laughs) it out very quickly. Pumping your own fucking bags, man. All day long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing people don't get. It's like, you know, we do, we do the podcast because it's fun and we like talking about this stuff. But at the same time, if even one thing that we've said on one of these episodes, Causes a lightning bulb to go off in someone's head and they're like, I get it now or well That's a pretty good argument for why bitcoins a good money and they've been convinced and then they want to go and Get exposure to that like it. It's beneficial to us because then there's one more person who like gets it and then There's a trickle-down effect and there's that network effect of that starting to spread and then that person becomes the friend who bought Bitcoin in 2019 and it's the year 2021 and everyone's asking you, well, how did you, how did you know to stack sats all of 2019? And then the whole cycle starts over again you get a whole new wave of normies coming in and the cycle repeats and
1: the network expands and gets larger. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Yes, no, you're correct on that. It, it is a network effect. It's the same thing as the internet. Um. It's the same, well, any money really. Um, you know, if you talk like the fiat currency, obviously U.S. dollar is pretty widely accepted. It's the same thing; it's a network effect. If only fifty Americans accepted, you know, the current U.S. dollar, it'd be pretty worthless. Um, it's the same effect with Bitcoin. Um, the more merchants, the more people that have it, the stronger it becomes. You know, more usability. Well, stronger as in just the network effect and you know, demand for it. You know, if people are using it in the economy, etc. It'll be interesting here. Um, I have you know, as I've said before, I have no clue where this goes. Um, there's so much endless possibilities and it's it's tough to say where it goes and we, in the grand scheme of things, the internet's also super young. The internet's only like 20, the internet as we know it now is only like 25 years old, roughly. Um, so, who knows what, and also the, another good point is like the the current landscape of social media. Um, I think that's getting interesting too. I know it's not really a topic of what we talk about, but the whole just banning and stuff and whatever getting pretty interesting the whole censorship part um, it's definitely something to pay attention to it's not something to sleep on because it's definitely getting to a point where it's like okay they are just you know left and right just banning people and it's like what you know so it's voices they don't like and it's um, it's a pretty scary thought
0: yeah that's a good point and I think uh, Bitcoin will eventually play a big role in in social media in the future and uh, you know you see with companies like Gab or, um, free speech platforms. Uh, it's something that I try to keep my finger on the pulse on because, uh, this, this podcast might need to move to a new, um, a new distribution platform. The crypto humor page might need to move to a different platform. Eventually like you can't get caught being on MySpace still, right? Like you need to move to where the users are going. So if I don't care about the normies who aren't going to buy Bitcoin, who are going to stay on Facebook, you know what I mean? Like I, they're not going to, they're not helpful in what's going to happen next. Uh, you're looking for, uh, the younger generations who are looking at things on the internet, who aren't watching mainstream, uh, television, who are doing their research and exploring the web and learning things on their own. They're going to go to a, Completely different platform, believe me. Uh, and it's important to kind of stay in touch with where they're going to head. And uh, they're going to start taking their privacy way more seriously. They've they've seen so many hacks happen already. And their friends um, have, you know, maybe uh, being blackmailed for pictures on their iCloud that get hacked. Like they're going to be smart enough to be like, yeah, I should take my privacy a little bit more fucking seriously than millennials have. They just give everything away. Because they don't know any better. I I did the same thing.
1: Yeah. That's why I use a pseudonym now. I
0: mean, you know, like I I do that and I I understand it. And deep down, you really get it. But until you get got, you don't think about it. And I think the next generation will see that a little bit more clearly. And we just need to be prepared to just migrate onto a new ecosystem. And that's where everybody's going to go. And then everyone's going to have to start from scratch all over again
1: yeah no it's um it's interesting like i think things like facebook i i don't know if they'll be around in 10 years I mean, obviously facebook's huge but we don't think about the consequences um you know of government interaction etc <clears throat> so i think even with twitter um i know I, I really enjoy twitter now a lot more than i do instagram or even facebook um i enjoy twitter because there's the i learn things from people and there's always good you know that's good for a news source too i uh, like that and obviously there's some good stuff on there, but um, Facebook I don't use much it's worthless to me uh, and I don't see and I think that's true for most of the younger generation there's still older people that use it for the most part but most people near my age do not use it um, it is I was talking to a kid he was like 14, 15 and they don't even none of those kids have Facebook none of the younger generation so have Facebook um, so that's definitely have a devastating effect on Facebook and I think people aren't really pricing it in Again to the stock, and I think we'll see that shortly. It's just gonna be one of those things that happens on the bear market. It'll be a fundamental side of things, instead of a technical. You just have a whole younger generation. Probably, I would imagine everyone are probably 18, 19 right now. Very few use Facebook. When you get younger than that, it's not even Facebook's not even a thing for them.
0: Right, right. That's a good point because they're moving to other platforms and they're not gonna waste their time on there it's just a bunch of nonsense it's a bunch of nonsense um so yeah
1: that's
0: that's a good point I mean, even the face
1: the, like one of the original facebook co-founder can't think of his name was calling for like facebook to break up you know facebook instagram and whatsapp and I, I don't disagree with that because in a sense that like those three control so many users and so much um society when you think about it i think it's like three over three billion users combined and obviously a lot are fake but still there's a lot of people that use it like I have majority of people I know have an Instagram right 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 yeah they have a lot of users
0: um, it's all right I, if it, it's their platform uh, while I don't agree with censorship um, you know if they're gonna do it they're gonna do it I think that should make other people, very interested in doing their best to come up with competitors to those same services and they're going to need to compete and that's it. And everybody can choose to move. I think the whole censorship thing is going to shoot everybody in the foot. And, you know, I can't say that for a fact right now, because it just started, but in hindsight, it will be very obvious if Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff kind of starts going away, Twitter, all that, users move away from that. It'll be real really obvious it'll be like oh that was the top when they started uh banning people for thinking left and right yeah
1: i mean (laughs) it is what it is it is where it's getting and even like i don't know uh, next phone i'm gonna get a new phone soon i don't know i'm gonna get i don't really want to have an iphone to be honest dude i know yeah speaking of that let's talk about this new htc phone i know let's give a little entry into the uh I have the page open if you're watching on YouTube. It's HTC's new $300 smartphone, Exodus 1S, can run a full Bitcoin node. That's the title of this article. Uh, I'll just read the first few paragraphs here. HTC plans to launch a second generation of the Exodus 1 blockchain smartphone by 2019, according to the company's chief decentralized author, officer. Of course, they have a chief decentralized officer, <laughs> a CDO. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I figured I don't get that CDO collateral debt obligation, basically what collapsed the whole market in 2008, 2009. Continuing anyways, the upcoming Exodus 1S will provide more support for decentralized browsing, messaging, and social media apps, -apps, decentralized apps. But that's not all. The second-gen blockchain smartphone will also be able to run a full Bitcoin node, HTC said Saturday. So with the $300 smartphone due in quarter four, 2019, you'll be able to contain the entire Bitcoin blockchain on your smartphone and verify transactions. Pretty big deal to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things to unpack with all that.
1: Um, you know, one thing is a $300 Android phone. I was going to say that, $300. Like, it's a third yeah, of any phone right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I use, uh, I use an iPhone, and there are certain um, Bitcoin wallets that are only available on Android, like uh, the Samurai wallet, which I highly recommend. Um, but I'd need an Android phone to do it and then couple that with the fact that I could run my own node on the phone, which is possible now, by the way, you can, you can do that on an Android phone. Um, that's fucking dope. It's so sick and, uh, it aids with decentralization. Um, it helps, um, keep that centralizing attack surface minimized and, uh, it's, that's where we're, that's where we're headed. You're going to start seeing, you know, full nodes being input into, Places that they weren't before. Uh, I've I've seen people run them on those little like $50 Android TV boxes. So we just need to make it easier for people to run their own node. And uh, it's only possible with Bitcoin. You can't do that with XRP because it's like terabytes worth of data to, to run a full node. You can't do it with Ethereum because it's the same thing. It's terabytes worth of data. Um, so in reality, this is, this is our one shot at global money and we're going to take it and we need as many nodes as possible. And the best part is it's, it's going to work so seamlessly that people won't even know that that's what they're doing. And, uh, I was watching the replay of the magical crypto podcast, uh, magical crypto conference, uh, just today and yesterday. And, uh, I saw the announcement of the HTC phone and, and that's where it was. And, uh, they were also saying, and this is where it gets pretty interesting that the, the, your private keys that are held on the device can also double as your identity um, because only you would have access to that. And it allows for like a multi-signature Shamir secret sharing recovery method. So let's say I I get this new HTC phone. I have my private keys um, on there and it's split up into, you know, five different keys. I can give, Four of the five, or three of the five. Way I could give, I could send one to you, and you'd keep it. I could send one to uh, to my parents back east, and I can send another one um, to one of my other friends in another state. And if I ever lost my phone, all my Bitcoin would be gone. And I could reach out to each one of you because I'd only need three of those um, keys, and then I could, boom, I could get everything back. I could regenerate my digital identity, and I could regenerate or or have gain access to all of my Bitcoin again. And I'm really excited to see multi-sig more widely used because that's just such a better secure model than for your, your keys are in different places. You're you're not even susceptible to like a $5 wrench attack where somebody comes in with a, a weapon and says, give me your keys. I could be like, well, man, good fucking luck because the other three are in different states, so good luck. Um it's good. I think that's the direction we're going to head. And also another thing is all of that code that HTC is putting out with uh, the Shamir secret sharing is all going to be open source. So I think you're going to see that leveraged for a lot of new, uh, well for hardware, manuf- hardware wallet manufacturers that already exist and even software wallets, uh, you'll get a good chance to upgrade that multi-sig scheme, which is pretty cool. So I think, uh, it's difficult to talk about now because it's brand new. This literally just happened like yesterday. Um, but, I think this might be a phone I just have to get just to play with it and see how it goes.
1: Yeah, and another interesting thing to note, uh, Google launched, I was reading the Wall Street Journal, a $400 phone. And it's obviously, it's, it's not as good as their, I think it's their Pixel or whatever, but it's, you know, here again, another reality. So like what the media, I don't know what the media income is, but most people in America don't make that much money. If you make $35,000, dollars say you make $35,000 a year, a thousand dollar phone is one thirty fifth of your income that year. And that's, you know, that's saying before taxes. So, and other, you know, other expenses. So you are really talking that's a huge part of people's expenses. You know what I mean? Um, And so I think phones are, you know, the pricing of phones compared to what people make, it it's just getting insane right now. That's what's happening.
0: Right. I mean, another good point is there's more phones now than computers. There's just that many more because they're so much cheaper and uh, they're much more powerful than they used to be. So you can get a lot done on just a phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're going to see, hopefully, better phones at better prices. Um, I've been an Apple person for the last decade, I guess, so it's really hard for me to give up. The you know, the, yeah, it's hard for me to get up the, the iPhone the MacBook Pro, you know, all that good stuff. I, I do like the products that are super easy to use. It's it's not that. Um, it's just that, what else am I going to use? Like, I don't want to use the Google phone. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of them for that kind of service where I can be tracked for everything that I do. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's nice to see these lower price point Phones that can do and act—you the- could run your business on a phone. Like how oh, yeah. fucking crazy is that? Oh, you, you know, you can make millions of
1: dollars from a phone nowadays. I don't think people realize that. I don't think a lot of people don't realize their phone's a tool. They don't use it like that. And anyone who's not doing that in 2019 is just sleeping. Like if you're not using the internet, you're not using a computer, you're not using a phone to your advantage to make money, grow a brand, etc. You're sleeping on everything. Like I don't know how. Yeah, going. I mean- it's 2020. Like holy shit
0: yeah I mean, I, Gary Vee talks about that a lot, and oh, I, yeah. I, I I like Gary Vee. I think he's probably the most woke entrepreneur out there because he tells the truth, which nobody else does. And you know why he can do that because he did everything on his own, and he he built his own brand and he has fucking money, and he can say things that the other people will not say, period mm-hmm. um, and and he's a hundred percent right. I mean, now you have a three hundred dollars phone that's coming out that can be your business. it can be uh, your social media. It can be your Your camera it can be your video camera and it can be your bank it can do all of those functions all on your own Mm -hmm. it's it's really powerful and it's I mean it sounds obvious but like people don't really think about it when you think about starting your own business be like oh what are your expenses well I have my fucking phone and a hundred thousand followers and I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a year right like it's crazy that that's even possible and can happen really fucking quickly you have one video that goes viral or one video that gives some awesome piece of advisor does something that nobody else has done yet or you know a niche or topic inside and out and you provide value to people who are willing to follow you and listen to you like it's a product or service and then the way you test this is if they're willing to pay you in bitcoin that means your product is probably going to be a fucking hit because nobody wants to give that shit up so if you're spending btc on a product or service and this is something that i want to do more episodes about and think about a little bit more clearly is Testing out new businesses in a Bitcoin world, what sells, what doesn't, what value can you bring to others uh, as things start to change? And the real test is if people are willing to give other Bitcoin to pay for whatever service you're offering, then you're crushing it because nobody else would do that shit. And you see a lot of bad ideas now that people will pay money for. And I don't wonder how much of that has to do with fiat in general. Like, would you not buy that otherwise if you had a money that wasn't inflated away on a daily basis? Uh, I think people's frame of reference and mindset starts to shift.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, as you said, um, Gary V talks about perfectly and the whole thing about the mindset shift too. The, the whole Bitcoin money thing, I have you know, um, it's a very good, because I've never experienced that money before. Personally, we've lived in a fiat, fiat world where credit is rampant. And um, going back to what Gary V said, he's always been a big believer in adapt or die. And I, I can't agree more with that. Um, there's always people that like talk about like the whole yang gang or whatever, that dude running for president you know, wants universal biggest income because people are losing jobs. You know, either adapt or die, that's the reality of life. That's how it is, that's how it's always been. Um, you know, there, there should be no free handouts because then that's economic, you know. Basically, someone should be productive for society, producing a good, a service, or something to be, you know, receive compensation. It's as simple as that. Whether a dude's cutting people's hair, whether it's someone cutting people's lawns, it doesn't matter, be people washing cars, but it has to be some kind of productive service that people are willing to pay for. Um, and if you're just sitting on your ass at home watching TV, why should you receive universal basic income? It doesn't do society any good. It just inflates our monetary supply and makes money worthless. Because where is that money going to come from? Are you going to tax everyone? Are you going to tax everyone that works? I right. I mean,
0: yeah, you're going to inflate the money supply. I mean, the reality. And uh, that's unfortunately a hidden tax on everyone who's holding the money. Um, so it's really hard to see, especially if you're not noticing on a on a short time interval, right? So I could say, Oh yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I could go to the movies for six fifty, and now it's, I don't know, 1250 a ticket and it's gone up a hundred percent or whatever. And the popcorn's double the price. <laughs> yeah, I get, okay, sure. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's been 15 years, whatever. Um, prices go up, right. Inflations that's normal, right? Uh, yeah. You don't really notice those kinds of things unless you're, suffering from severe hyperinflation in a where literally your net worth is cut in half over the weekend. And then it starts to make sense. So this the slow and steady um, degradation of the value of your, of your currency, you know, you can get away with it. It's like a sleight of hand that not everybody can see. Exactly.
1: It's just, it, and what it's doing, is just slowly diminishing the quality of life. People don't have freedom anymore. Uh, a perfect example is Occupy Wisdom talks about it. OW on uh, Twitter, you know, 60 years ago, you know, a family of four, you know, the husband, work, wife, stay at home, take care of the kids to, you know, work at the house, etc. That's not possible nowadays unless, you know, husband or wife has a very high paying job or has a business that pays very well. It just isn't possible. Uh, and it's crazy. As we, I talked about earlier in the episode, you know, how much even in the middle class, how many people are living check to check, bill to bill, don't have savings, don't have any money saved up. They can't put down payments on cars. They can't put down payments on anything. Oh, they're going to finance everything. It's insane. And then so as we talked about before, when a recession does hit, what happens? Do you know, right. There's no savings. Right.
0: Yeah, it starts to get, it starts to get ugly. It starts to get really ugly. Um, but who knows, maybe, uh, maybe they'll have universal basic income and everybody will take that thousand bucks and buy Bitcoin. Who knows? Yeah, right. That, and which that's a, that's a problem in its own right. But
1: yeah. Um, we could go on one time with that, but right. wrap it up here. Yeah, this, this, this before is I, awesome. Before I just run along forever.
0: Yeah, we could we could talk about this shit forever, and this is actually a good place to cut it off. So, um, yeah, congratulations to everyone who's still with us. You have successfully made it to Bitcoin being back over 7000. Um, hopefully we are out of the bear market and we'll see what the rest of the year has to bring. Um, it's been fun. Uh, tomorrow's Monday, so a whole new week is starting, and we'll have a ton of shit to talk about next weekend. Um, you know, give us a, give us a shout on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, like and subscribe to these. Uh, leave us a review. I think we have a couple now on on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate those. They do help uh, try to get a little bit more exposure to the podcast, which is great. Um, but we are trying to grow this organically. So uh, the best thing you can actually do is share this with somebody you know that's into Bitcoin that wants to learn more um, and maybe they'll give it a lesson. They can tell us it sucks and that's okay too. we learn from all feedback. Um, Have a great weekend. Congratulations and uh, cheers. Cheers.
1: And one more thing. I don't mean to end it right there. You can share with anyone. It doesn't have to be a Bitcoin person because I think it's good to give it to anyone, to be honest. Um, Give them a chance to sound like peace. That's true.